everyone. Welcome to the Studio Podcast. First of all, just want to say thanks for listening. We are excited to get this podcast up and running. If you are new to Studio, we are a church in Greenville, South Carolina. Our heart is to create a place where God and people meet so beautiful things can happen and beautiful things are created. Thanks for listening. And with that, let's get right to it. And the title of today's message is Ethos, Elements, and Architecture. Ethos, elements, and architecture. You know, we as humans, we are moved by color, by texture, aesthetics. We're moved by design. We're moved by creativity. If you're like my wife, she is incredibly moved by the texture of soft blankets. (laughs) So much so that we have boxes and boxes of blankets that go back 25 years. And it's awesome because she just, any new texture blanket, so I got to get this. Of course you have to get it. We need another soft blanket. It should be no surprise to us that this conversation of design and creativity, the Bible is actually full of examples of this topic. It's actually the entire theme throughout Scripture. When God said, let there be light, he set the tone of creation. He set the tone of design, architecture, and creativity. And it it didn't end in Genesis. It only began the great story of creation. And yet, whenever we talk about design and creativity, oftentimes in the church, it's relegated to an aspect of humanity, but not embraced in the entirety of humanity. My goal today is to, again, this entire series had been aimed at starting off in the direction we are going as a church, as a family. And this might be the final seventh week of it, but it's not the seventh least important one. It's actually incredibly important for the direction we're going at the church. There's a couple quotes I want to read you. One is by a design consultant. He said, thinking about design is hard, but not thinking about it can be disastrous. Another one, every great design begins with even a better story. In 1666, Sir Isaac Newton found out something that if you shine a pure white light through a prism, it separates all the colors. And there's a a verse in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 5, it says, we are children of light. Perhaps when the light of God shines through our life, we get to reveal the colors of the kingdom. This idea that we are actually created in the image of God And our ability to create is actually connected to our very existence. Colors are fascinating. Um, The color yellow is intriguing. You know, the yellow on a stoplight here does not mean slow down. It actually means to go faster. (laughs) I've learned. And if you see it 500 yards away, you're like, I can make it. I can make it. But the, the, the color yellow, it's warm brightness. It's energy. It also means warning. The color black is mystery. It's power, but it's also sadness. The color red is passion and danger. So every color that is seen by the human eye actually exudes an emotion. It evokes an emotion. It creates a context that you get to experience. So the idea of color is powerful. And then you move over into architecture. I love walking into old cathedrals in Europe where there's expansive. I'm not a fan of how they were built, but I'm a fan of the actual architecture themselves. And Kenneth and I have had the privilege of traveling a lot in our life. And, and we went to Italy a number of years ago for our 20th anniversary. And we made it a point to visit as many cathedrals 
and as many beautiful, epic Italian churches. And it's amazing when you walk into these spaces, the, your eye just wants to go up because the ceilings are high. There's this mystery and awe of this expanse. And then you come into a space like this, which is literally the opposite, but your mind goes, what happened here years ago? What took place in this room? So this building that we're sitting in is actually a piece of the past of Greenville, but it's been reimagined for the future. So architecture is powerful in resembling and communicating God. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, if you want to turn your Bible there, open your apps quickly. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 through 22. And as you're turning there, let me give you a little bit of a, what I would like for you to do with me. As we read this passage of Scripture, I want you to take a look at the language of architecture and design that is fully embedded into this passage of Scripture. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building fitted, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Verse 22, in whom you also are being built together, for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. You see, God is the master architect. He's looking for spaces to fill, and he's creating spaces to fill. And this idea of Ephesians, if you understand the book of Ephesians, Paul is writing this to the church of Ephesus, and he's actually talking to Jews and Gentiles. He's actually talking to a very multicultural, multi-ethnic church, which we talked about just a couple weeks ago. And he's saying, listen, you guys, God has actually designed it for you guys to be built together. With Jesus being the chief cornerstone, the entire goal of bringing us together is to build something so he can fill it with his spirit. Sometimes God creates spaces that he'll fill, and sometimes he's waiting for you and me to create spaces so he can fill. It goes both ways. Sometimes heaven goes before us. You'll be surprised at how, heaven, how often heaven is waiting for us. There are three words I want to introduce into our vernacular here at studio. It's ethos, elements, and architecture. I'm going to simplify the definition, but the word ethos is spirit of a culture or a community. Spirit of a culture or a community. It's what you feel when you go inside an organization. It's what you feel when you go into a dentist office, which is usually not the best. And that's why they work hard to provide neck massagers, warm blankets, TVs on the, on the ceiling. They're trying to overcome that anxiety you feel within the ethos of going to a dentist. How many can relate to that? It's what you feel when you go into a bank. Banks aren't places you want to hang out in. The color, the design is largely trying to make you as comfortable as possible for as short amount of time as possible. Every organization, establishment that you enter into, you experience the ethos. If you walk into a space and experience nothing, it's because they haven't thought about it yet. And sometimes indecision actually is the ethos itself. But the spaces I love are the ones where people took the time and the energy to think about what do we want to create in this space. So ethos is the spirit in the culture, spirit of a culture or community. Elements, 
Elements is something that is essential. It pieces of a bigger picture that is essential to creating the bigger picture. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Last but not least, it's architecture. It's the design and the designing of a structure. Architecture, the design and the designing of an of a structure. There are elements that help to define our ethos and will inform our architecture. I need three examples here, uh, three people here. Mike, why don't you come up since you were up here earlier. And let's see here. Sarah, would you mind coming up here too? Why don't you give it up for these two? I'm looking for one more person. All right. Just come up here for a second. And T, I'm going to have T. I'm just have you come up. All right. I know you're pointing over there, but I'm pointing at you. All right. So, T, you're going to be Jesus. You're going to be God, the Father. And you're going to be the Holy Spirit. So what I want you guys to do, I want you guys to grab hands. Make a circle and grab hands. So here we have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you're unfamiliar with those phrases, when we talk about our God, he's divided into three pieces. It's three in one is the language that we use. We have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So here we have it right here. And what, what we've been taught in church for a long time is that humanity was actually meant to watch something. And what's going on in between the three, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, is perfect union. There's nothing more perfect than what's taking place between these three right here. The agape love, they're, they're, the Greeks have four definitions, or four Greek words for love. The supreme expression of love is called agape love, which is taking place in here. The entire universe, everything in existence, and what we don't know is in existence, was created from agape love. It is the divine element that informs our architecture, that actually designed everything we know to be in existence. But here's the challenge. We've been taught to observe this perfect union. We've been taught to admire it. Some of us are so good at observing it, we become incredible at communicating it. That's not the original design. Okay, now let me in the middle here. Come on in here. <laughs> the original design is that I would experience this perfect union. I would no longer observe it, but I would experience experience the Holy Spirit. I would experience Jesus Christ and I would experience the Father. That's the ultimate design of architecture that God had in mind. Thank you guys. You can go sit down. Thank you. Oh, we should have did a group hug. We should have. In our hearts, we did a group hug. You see, the divine element of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the perfect union, the perfect agape love. And there are things that we don't even have the ability to fully comprehend and understand. That divine element is what shapes our ethos. It's what informs our architecture. Everything we do is with that in mind. And this is important for us to understand because as we build forward as a community, we have to understand that God actually designed a world and within that world, he designed moments that you and I would experience as a human. I love how God creates creation and then he puts us within it and he's waiting for these moments for us to experience his beauty. Have you ever crested a mountain and when you come on top of that mountain and you look out at the horizon, words escape you. 
He knew that there were moments where we'd be looking at a sunset where the clouds are perfect, the air is perfect, and the colors are vibrant. He knew that that would touch the human soul. He knew these moments would actually shape and reveal something deeper and something transcendent and something divine. This is how God creates. He creates these moments. He takes the divine elements and he puts them in a context and he wants you and I to experience them as a human. So when we talk about ethos elements and architecture, I want you to understand this is incredibly important to how you and I move as a community of people move forward. All design matters. One of the, one of the initial reasons why we chose to do 4 o'clock and 6.30 service, besides the fact I don't like waking up early, <laughs> but one of the primary reasons because we wanted that space over there to be our lobby. And we were able to work it out with Junto to be open, for them to stay open while we're here. Why do we do that? Because what you experience in that space, hopefully with an introduction, it's an ethos. It's creating something of what we're imagining for the future. The reason why we haven't met in a specific traditional church building, I have nothing against traditional church buildings. I have been in traditional church buildings my entire life. Lots of beautiful things happen. I feel like what the Lord is doing with us is something unique and a slightly different. The reason why we've met in old cigar building, the reason why we met at Southern Bleachery, the reason why we meet here at the market is because there's an ethos that God is shaping within us. What would it be like if we stepped into a space that had a deep past, but we could reimagine its future? This is where studio is going. Now, just so you be clear, I'm not against traditional church buildings, but I actually feel like it's crucially important that we try to create something unique to us. The future of studio is where faith, creativity, and community intersects. What I'm dreaming about, what we're dreaming about, is that you can't tell where faith begins or ends. You can't tell where creativity begins or ends. You can't tell where community begins or ends. You can't tell, like you step into the space, whether it's an actual physical space or whether it's your life or whether it's your business, your home, whatever spaces that you create. If you get anything out of today, it would be this. You have a mandate and a privilege to create spaces and places that God wants to inhabit. And the challenge is, is we want to tell people what we're doing rather than what we create just explain itself. Over 20 years ago, I've been wrestling with this idea that I realized that creatives are actually essential to creating a future we actually want to live in. The idea of a future being created by someone that doesn't have the divine element sounds terrifying. But the idea that humans that follow God, that actually have, understand the essence of their humanity and their responsibility to create spaces and places, they create the future that I want to live in. And I begin to realize that creative aren't just, aren't just people that are painting and making music. I believe every human being is a creative. I don't care if you're right brain, left brain, that conversation had actually sabotaged the image of God more than we give it credit for. We have so gotten so intelligent about the brain that instead of elevating humanity to being creative, we've only segmented a part of it to be creative. 
I believe every human being is creative. The question is what medium, what expression is it that pertains to you? You may not care about a paintbrush, but you know how to build an amazing environment for people to step into. You may not care about teaching in a creative way, but you care about building a business that elevates the quality of life for individuals that work there or experience it. This is the ability to create something from nothing. So I have to understand that creative actually are essential to tearing down strongholds in the mind and culture. You can find this throughout Scripture. We have glossed over Scripture. We've skipped over portions of Scripture just to get what we think is the meat. But if you actually dive into the depth of Scripture, you will find that God is raising up people that know how to create moments, create spaces and places, use the medium, the materials of the day to bring down strongholds of the mind of people in the nations and cities in those moments. Creative are actually essential to tearing down stronghold in today's environment. And it's not done in warlike tactics. It's not done with sword and spear. It's not done with social media. It's done by creating beautiful expression that reveal the colors of the kingdom. Every human being has that potential. Some of you actually sitting here and you've been told you're not creative. Guess what? That is the very attack on the image of God. It is impossible to be created and can't create. It's just logically, it's spiritually impossible. Some of you have had this longing to create something new in your life, but you're partnering more with what you've been told. Studio is a place where faith creativity, and community intersect. It's a space where you can't tell what begins or ends. So this idea began to stir in my heart literally over 20 years ago. I've been sitting on this for pretty much my entire adult life. Is that we would create spaces and places that would catalyze, that would be incubators for innovators, for dreamers, for creatives, for people that want to excel in customer service. We, we, we're going to be a place. This is a place. This is this community of people. And it's not just Sunday morning. If you think Sunday morning in studio homes is all that we're dreaming about, as much as I love those, we all love that. But I'm telling you, studio is more than just meeting on Sunday and in our homes. That is literally the foundation for everything we're talking about today. So this idea of studio being just a church that you attend and you get fed, you build a relationship, is literally the foundation that actually will birth the very dreams that live within inside you. Whenever you plant a church, this is, my, this is our first church we planted, and so I can only speak from literally a few months of experience. <laughs> Someday I'll have a book out, I'm sure, I don't know. I'll do workshops and, you know, I don't know, I'm kidding. But I'll just tell you this, when you plan a church, when you start a church community, they tell you to have all the language on day one. To have everything dialed in, so much so on day one, have your mission statement, your vision statement, everything dialed in to the nine. That's what they tell you. That's what all the courses, that's what all the conferences, that's what they all tell you. And that's what I was told. But I decided, we decided to go a little different route than that. 
And I'll tell you why. Because when you do that, all you're doing is copy and pasting what you already know. Which there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. I have friends that copy and paste and they're crushing it and they're more alive than they were before. That's just not my cup of tea. So we've been very methodical, in some places really slow, and not putting language on it. Or saying, you know what, we know this principle's true, but can we find new language for it? So as a team, and hopefully you're getting some of this vibe, we've been intentional not to put a label and organize everything on day one. So you might be sitting in here going, how come we haven't done X, Y, or Z? Because we're allowing something to emerge that we don't know. If we don't create space for that, if we don't allow something to come up through the ground that's under the ground, but you don't know it's there. And that's why we've been talking about if, you, if you're not moving forward, if you don't allow space and time between one season and to your next season, you will always reproduce what you already know. We dream of a space and a place that dreamers, innovators, people with the best imaginations thrive. People with ideas. And our goal isn't to create Christian art. Our goal isn't to put a fish on it, to put a cross on it. Our goal isn't, <laughs> you got all excited about that. I was, not, I was not expecting that. That's not our goal. Our goal isn't to get angel's wings in there somewhere. We're not like, oh, can you find the cross? Can you find the cross on that? No, that's not what we're doing. If you have to put Christian before art, I think we've missed the whole point. I think we've missed the whole point. Now, there's nothing wrong with art that has a gospel thing to it. It's not about that. But we're so scared of creating that we don't. Well, it's not Christian enough, so I'm not going to do it. Do you realize that most of the Bible would not pass the Christian art filters? It just wouldn't. Because we don't do pain. We don't like pain, so we just avoid it. Do you understand that some of the most beautiful artistic expressions come out of the shadow part of you, that come out of the hard parts of your life? But we're so scared. We don't know how to deal with pain. We don't want anybody to know about pain, and we're so scared of being people without faith. We just avoid anything negative, anything with pain. Every great movie has pain in it and beauty in it at the same time. Any movie that starts with pain and ends with pain, I'm not a fan of. But any movie that paints the picture of deep, heart-wrenching pain, and you see the beauty rise from the ashes, that's a good movie. That's a good book. That's a beautiful life. But until we can embrace this other aspect, we're just going to be so focused on creating Christian art. That's not what we're trying to do here. I believe art, I think we've actually abandoned excellence too soon by trying to explain what we created. If you refrain from explaining what you've created, you will be ushered into a realm of excellence of creativity that no explaining is needed. The art itself will do its job.
Can we just let our lives, our customer service, our human interaction, our business, our, how people experience us, can we, can we let our songs, our, our paintings, our films, can we just let our lives communicate the beauty of the kingdom? I think most preaching in the coming days will not be preaching gospel in the traditional sense. I think most preaching in the coming days will be done by creative people that will think harder and deeper and more intelligently about what comes out of them and will introduce them to the creator himself. There are key elements that help to define our ethos and will inform our architecture. Brick, glass, steel, concrete, and wood. Let me say that again. Brick, glass, steel, concrete, and wood. What is brick? We're surrounded by it right now. And you leave this building, you still see it. It's everywhere. What is brick? Brick is basically when dirt meets possibility. It's when something mundane that we walk on every day, when it meets an idea. Brick is actually considered one of the oldest man-made building materials known to man. You can do research on it. It's actually quite fascinating. They, they keep getting farther and farther back in history. Oh, we found something from 7,000 B.C. So brick, what is brick? It's basically soil, met an idea, and it became a reality. And what's beautiful about brick is you stack it. So it reminds me of the line upon line, precept upon precept. It's its building nature. It helps to define a space. It's a sign of strength, the sign of history. In London, they made their brick bright red so people wouldn't run into the wall in the heavy fog. You and I were created from dust. Glass. Glass is beautiful. I love glass. Glass is, is made out of sand when sand meets heat. And glass is, is a composite of when extreme heat, approximately like 2,600 degrees, meets particles of rocks and minerals. And when those two, those two, those two things meet, it turns into a liquid state. And it's in this liquid state that whoever creating it can shape it into whatever they want it to be. And then when glass hardens, it becomes this transparent thing that you can see through. And churches of old had stained glass windows, which is beautiful because those stained glass windows were meant to tell a story. It was the movie of the day. If you go into these old cathedrals, as you walk through the cathedrals, you would start usually with creation through the fall of Adam and Eve, and then it'll take you through Scripture to the cross, to the death and resurrection of the cross. That was their medium of telling a story. We don't do stained glasses anymore, but we have transparent glass. I wonder if that is an ode to the reality. When people look inside, do they see the gospel? Do they experience the gospel? And then I wonder if as we look out, do we actually care what's happening on the other side of that glass? Then you have steel. Steel has been around for a long time, and steel is known for its strength. 
It's known for its ability to hold a heavy load. It's made by extreme heat mixed with iron and some other particles. And as you apply extreme heat, you can again form steel into this something that expands and covers and adds a rigidity, adds a strength. It adds something that says, I'm going to be here for a while. And then you have concrete. Concrete is potentially the most used building material globally. It's basically a powder that when it meets water and when it lets dry, becomes an incredibly hard substance. And if you reinforce it with steel, what's known as rebar, it doesn't crack. It doesn't move. It stays put. And then you have wood. Wood is the only material, the only element that defines our ethos that isn't man-made. And wood is, is one of the most beautiful materials you can do anything with. You have many colors. You have the density. You have hardwood, softwood. You have multiple colors. You have multiple advantages to different types of wood. There are different smells on different types of wood. And wood is the only material that isn't man-made. It's the only material that God actually created without man's help. And I'm going to unpack this in the months and years to come, but those five elements are actually going to shape our ethos. They are actually becoming more embedded into our ethos. will actually help to inform the architecture that we build with. Our dream is that we would have a mill, a warehouse of some type, they had all five of these elements plus other. If you need carpet, we may have a little piece of carpet in there for you. <laughs> but our dream is to create this space where we're not just doing Sunday morning, we're not just doing Wednesday night. It's actually an incubator all the time. We're dreamers, innovators, people with great imaginations, people that want to see faith, creativity, community intersect. When we first, one of our visits to Greenville, this was last May, and to cut a very long story short, we ended up at Judson Mill. Some of you live there. It's a beautiful mill. And I get a call from this Greenville number, so I answered it, and this guy, he introduces himself, saying, hey, I'm the lead developer over at Judson Mill. And uh, your friend said you would really like to see the mill. I'm all, I would love to see the mill. So Candace and I, Tanasha, Deja, and Riva, we went down to Judson Mill, and this was before the lofts were open. It was like two months before the lofts were open, and they're giving us the tour. It's a huge, it's a huge mill, and they take us through um, Blockhaven Rock Climbing Gym. They said this is where Feed and Seed's going to be, that little grocery store, and then there's a brewery right here. Then there's this Cowboy Up, which just opened apparently. It's got mechanical bowls and you know, bars and whatever, and, and it's going through the whole thing and take this through the lofts, and, and we're walking through the loft, and the guy stops, says, I have a question, though. He, I told him who we were. I said, listen, we're dreaming about planning this church called Studio. Hasn't even started yet. We're, I mean, we're, we haven't even moved. Like, we're still living in Reading. So he's asking all these questions, and he goes, I have a question, though. How would you feel being next, because they were actually wanting to offer us space there. He said, how would you feel if you guys were next to the brewery? I'm like, that's perfect. <laughs> it's exactly where we're supposed to be. And I said, that's not the question. The question is, are they okay with us being next to them? <laughs> so 
So we're actually talking about a space that is sitting in the fabric of a city. Not to condemn the city, but to invite the city. To not point out everything that's wrong with the city, but to find the heartbeat for the city and serve that. So we have intentionally shaped the ethos around older, non-traditional architecture. As inconvenient as it may be, I guarantee you we will not regret this. Now, all the parents with kids, take a deep breath. It's going to get better as we go forward. Amy Gagno deserved a medal. She deserved, she deserved a medal, hands down, to turn cold spaces into something inviting for kids. And one of our favorite testimonies, when kids say, I don't want to leave. Like, that's right. You can make spaces like this beautiful. So I want to end with this. This is just my, merely an introduction to where we're going as the church and what we're dreaming about. Did you know the first person in Scripture that was filled with the Spirit of God was a craftsman? Moses was already alive. Moses was actually one that prayed for the guy, and the Spirit of God went in him and not him. Imagine that experience. Like, wait a second here. I'm leading this entire nation to promised land, and he gets you? <laughs> Why don't you stand? I'm going to close with this. Design, details, architecture, colors, textures, all of that really matters to God. Do you know that he sat in the context of eternity, he thought, I'm gonna create beaches with such amazing, fluffy, white sand that someday a human is going to walk on that surface. And from that day forward, every human is gonna find a way to get back to that surface. <laughs> he thought about it. He designed that moment, that experience, because it reveals him. So I'll end with this. God fills spaces he creates, and he also fills spaces that you create. Thanks for listening to today's talk. If you're interested in learning more about Studio here in Greenville, you can check out our website, studiogreenville.com, and you can give us a follow on Instagram. Our handle is studio.greenville. Have a great week.